1: the 168th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a bubble screen across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City. It's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton.
2: What's up, guys? It's a senior night tomorrow uh, down at the Hillwood High School, um, playing Hillsboro, the Burroughs, the homeless boroughs, I should say, because their stadium is being renovated. Um, and we are hosting them uh, for senior night. it'll be a, it'll be a fun it'll be a great great matchup uh, hopefully we have improved enough to give them a run last year was a little rough uh, drum roll please 62 to nothing was the final score last year uh, and that was the halftime score um, so that's even scarier so I hope we can only go up from here uh, but I'm excited uh, I'm excited for the show and uh you know it's finally fall weather and uh i hope all the people in panama city including my family who decided to ride out the hurricane uh, are safe and so just wanted to throw that out there as well um hurricane michael has uh is pounding the gulf coast as as we speak right now and uh you know i just hope uh i just hope my family's okay
1: Okay, well, we've lost Josh uh, due to a power outage in the city of Chicago, so uh, hopefully his hamster will get back on the wheel soon. But in the meantime, Coach, uh, let's get kicked off with some quick slants. Uh, I'll throw it out to you first couple undercards in the sec this weekend.
2: Yeah. Um, some, some interesting intriguing matchups, uh, one that we have added to spread formations that we'll talk about, um, here in the, the capital city of Tennessee. Um, speaking of Tennessee, uh, they take on Auburn down at Jordan air Auburn, uh, looking to bounce back. Auburn's been struggling mightily lately. Uh, they need to short some things on the offensive line. Jarrett still needs to get back into a rhythm, uh, defense. These two come back to form, uh, and what better way to do it than against Tennessee? Tennessee just uh they're they're the bad news bears this year. They in anything negative that could have happened to Tennessee has happened. Uh there was the fumble six where they made a perfect defensive play, stripped strip stacked the quarterback, and tight end Isaac Nana picks it up and runs in it in for a touchdown. Uh week before against Florida, they run a trick play, fumbles it through the back of the end zone. Uh touchback uh, ball goes over to Florida. They turn it over six times. So anything that can will go wrong for Tennessee. Uh, they're hoping uh, they can end their conference skid. I think they're at 0-10, 0 for their last 10 SEC games. So uh, look to bounce back against a struggling Auburn. So this will be somebody's wake-up call. Uh, another interesting matchup is Texas A&M and South Carolina. Texas A&M coming off a – Huge win, uh, and, and normally we wouldn't say this about a, a game versus Kentucky, but it was a huge win for A&M because you know they they've kind of I wouldn't call it their signature win, but that was kind of their first big game win uh, in the Jimbo Fisher era. Kellen Mond looked, you know, just continues to look stellar. One oh seven 107 of one hundred seventy seven passes, fourteen hundred 1400, almost fourteen hundred fifty yards, nine touchdowns. Uh, the Texas A&M offense is picking up right where it left off. Uh, South Carolina, and uh, they they won a. I don't even know what you described that game last week. It was a mess. They won a mess. Um, they came out somehow. They just came out with more points than Missouri last week in that just disgusting mess. Uh, but they they play at Williams Bryce in Columbia. Uh and favored by two. That'll be a fun. That'll be an interesting game there. Uh, Again, we will preview that in spread formations as
1: well. We don't have to preview it anymore. You just gave it to us.
2: (laughs) Well, we're going to actually make our picks. Um, So I just kind of told you about it. So I kind of gave you the cheat sheet so you could make your picks. Um, Missouri is traveling down to Bryant-Denny. Uh, they're taking on Bama. Uh, Missouri will hopefully be the first team to prevent Bama from scoring over 40 points and, uh, staying with four touchdowns, uh, Tua attack man, that guy's struggling. Um, he is, I would say, wait, no, just kidding. Uh, Tua is probably, uh, he, he is, he's one of the most exciting quarterbacks to watch in this conference. There's, I'm sure there's some flaw you could pick out. I just don't know what it is yet. Um, He's, uh, he's on fire to say the least. Uh, Jerry Judy has, has been his biggest beneficiary, um, bright spot for Missouri, of course is Larry Roundtree. And then this matchup features, I guess, another battle of quarterbacks, uh, two great quarterbacks Tua a Valoa, um, the young phenom and drew Locke, who is a lock to be an NFL first rounder. So that'll be fun as well. And then Ole Miss, well, uh, they're playing this weekend as well. Um, We'll see what they can do. Jordan Te'amu, Um he's scoring some points. So uh, they have a game uh, somewhere against somebody. Um, I'm not sure who that is, but they're playing. So Ole Miss fans. Speaking
1: of, of Jordan Ta'amu, uh my question is what is going on in the water out in Hawaii? Three of the best quarterbacks in college football, Taamu, Tagovailoa, and mm-hmm. Mackenzie Milton uh, from UCF, all uh, Hawaiian Islanders.
2: Yeah, I mean it just I don't know. Those I guess the I guess those uh Samoans and Hawaiians can can sling the rock. And what what's crazy is that uh Tonga Valoa's brother is committed to Alabama. Uh, obviously they live in Alabama now. Um so he's not tech he's he's technically an Alabaman now. Um an Alabamian uh,
1: uh, Alabamian, I believe.
2: Alabamite. <laughs> is that right? Uh anyway, but i mean yeah it's 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 crazy these hawaiian quarterbacks are just i i don't know what it is like they just got it, they just got superior arm talent they're just they're just good they're just really good um they're better than the south south uh, southern california quarterbacks i can tell you that much yeah uh, so but yeah that that's kind of that's kind of your look around uh the sec um we actually had some tuesday night football um and that was actually that was actually pretty fun. We got to see uh, some some fun belt action, um, but depending on how you look at it, uh, it was either really fun or it was really bad. Uh, and if you're Arkansas State, it was really bad. They were they were on the wrong end of a 39 to or 35 to nine thrashing. Justice Hansen had three interceptions, just a just struggle all day long. And Appalachian State just showed that they were just a dominant dominant team.
1: Yeah, App State looked really good on that one. All right. Well, uh, we believe he's back now. That would be our yeah. third go in the he's second back, city. Back
3: uh, in the second Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, very bizarre night so far. So Chicago, um, you know, we not facing, obviously, what the good people of Florida are, but we've had just driving rain on and off all day. Um, I get back from work. Everything in my apartment's turned off. Uh, So at some point during the day, we had a blackout. And then just now, as I was logging on the computer, as we were starting our show, midway through your introduction, Matt, uh, everything went off in Chicago. I looked outside. It was like my whole block, my whole apartment building, the apartment building next door. Craziness. And now, just now, the lights flickered back on. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but to be safe, I'll stay on my phone. So if I sound a little different, it's because I'm mobile and not at my nice microphone and my computer and all that.
1: All right. Well, uh, you're hitting the road for Bloomington, Indiana this weekend, Josh. So I know uh, your first trip down there to Memorial Stadium.
3: Very first one, I'm excited for it. They've done a lot of renovations to it. It looks like a pretty nice stadium nowadays. Uh, Big game for both teams as they try and get to five wins. Uh, obviously Iowa has a touch easier schedule based on the division. So for Indiana, this is a big game for them as they try and make a bowl. Uh, but another Big Ten game that really caught my eye was Purdue heading to Champaign. Illinois Get got that win against Rutgers. They got off the Schneiden conference play. They hadn't won the game in quite a while since they went 0-9 last year. Uh, but they they picked up the win against Rutgers. They are now 3-2. and there's still probably a big long shot to make a bowl game, but getting to a fourth victory would be big for them. As for Purdue, they start off the season mighty ugly, but a win on Saturday gets them actually back to 500 ball, three and three, and they have a little bit of a manageable schedule from here on out. So a uh, couple teams uh, down there looking for a bowl game, and then obviously Indiana and Iowa, a little bit bigger implications. But fun day in the Big Ten Undercards.
1: All right, well, uh, I want to quickly from Iceland uh, talk about a game out there in the Pac-12, and for those of you who can't get enough Pac-12 after dark action, uh, there's a, a, a good one actually Friday night in Salt Lake uh, before the big one Saturday night. So in this one, Utah returns home after s- upsetting Stanford last week. They're going to take on an Arizona squad who forced Cal into four turnovers uh, in their last game en route to a 24-17 to victory, despite being outgained by the Bears by over 200 yards. I think that Utah should be able to bottle up Khalil Tate, J.J. Taylor, and the rest of the Wildcat rushing attack. The Utah third in the country in rush defense. Uh, One of the things I'd be concerned about if I was an Arizona fan was the fact that Arizona can't really hold on to the ball. And I'm not talking turnovers. I'm talking time of possession. They're 116th in the country in that category. You know, you're not going to score if you're not holding the ball. I mean, obviously, with some of these up-tempo attacks, you know, you're not holding the ball as long as Navy or triple option team, something like that, but still one hundred sixteenth in the country is not good. Uh, Utah should be able to win this one, but if their offense uh, is uneven, like it has been many times throughout the season, uh, and if Arizona is able to force turnovers like they were able to do against cal it'll be it'll be definitely a, a one score game, but i've got my faith. Uh, squarely set in the Utes. Like I've said a million times, I picked Utah to win the South before the year started. It's still sticking with that one. Glad they got the win at Stanford last week. Josh, you picked Arizona at the beginning of the season to win the South. Do you think they could win this matchup there in Utah?
3: No, nah, not with that Utah defense. They're flying all over the field, and uh, they got a little spark of offense against Stanford. If they can string together a couple weeks of, Offense, they might be able to catch those red-hot Colorado Buffaloes. We'll see.
1: All right. Well, uh, speaking of offense, it's time for the pop quiz. So take out your number two pencils, uh, grab your blue books, and uh, listen carefully. So uh, Alabama has scored at least 40 points in six consecutive games to start the year. If they are to do so again this weekend against Mizzou, they will become the 21st team since 1980 to score 40 or more points in seven consecutive games. So, gentlemen, your job is to name those 20 teams. Uh, Side note, some of these teams have done it more than once, and these consecutive game streaks do include bowl games. So, uh, (laughs) Josh, I will throw it out to you first. Uh, name a team that has scored 40 points in at least seven straight contests since
3: 1980. Uh, well, Iowa felt way too obvious, so I'm not going to go with them. I'm going to say that some of those great Chip Kelly offenses up at Oregon
1: have done it. Uh, Oregon is about as good a guess as you're going to get. They have done it five ti- five separate times in this time span. Um, uh, the longest one, they actually hold – uh, the record for most consecutive games scoring 40 points. Uh, they did 13 times in a row uh, between November of 2011 and November of 2012. So, coach.
2: Well, um, along those lines, it seemed that uh, Temple was way too obvious. So I'm going to go with uh, a much riskier guess and say Miami.
1: Miami? Uh which Miami? The U. Uh, sorry, coach, that is incorrect. The Miami. U? The U. I'm sorry. They never. They always had a great defense. Never not quite the uh, high scoring offense.
3: So should I should I take the softball pitch and go with Miami of Ohio?
1: That was kind of a trick for me too, because they also did not qualify. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, uh, we got—we both got a strike. Oh, yeah, that feels good. No, that, that, I'm not going to count that against you, Josh.
3: Okay. Well, oh. because my real guess was going to be, I'm gonna go back after that Pac-12 conference. I'm going to take some of those Pete Carroll, USC teams, and I think they might have done it when they had Reggie Bush, especially. Uh,
1: sorry, they did not accomplish that feat. Dang. One strike each. Coach, you're up. All right.
2: Uh, there's gotta be an Alabama team in there somewhere that did it besides uh, this year's.
1: Nope, there is not. Two strikes coach Josh, you're up.
3: He gets a little bit of a bad rap for scheduling easy. So I'm going to say that the pirate has done it. And I think he will have done it with his first tenure down at Texas
1: tech. Uh, Texas tech is correct. They did it seven consecutive games back from 2006 to 2007. Um, and I actually need to make a correction on my sheet. Uh, I wrote down for some reason, Southern California and not USC. So when I was looking for USC, I didn't see USC. USC is actually correct. Oh, so, uh, Josh, you've been, uh, negated back to zero strikes.
3: So I have the imaginary strike for Miami of Ohio and the imaginary strike for USC. I like this. This is a fun way to take a tap.
1: <laughs> Coach, you're up.
2: All these accommodations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Um Well, for here here it is for the strikeout. Um, it's got to be uh, Oklahoma. Nice one. 2008. Oklahoma.
1: Oh, uh, 2008, Oklahoma is correct. Jeez. Uh they had seven consecutive games from the uh, middle of October through the uh, through the uh, early December of
2: that season. remember Bedlam that that year was like the first to 60 was going to win. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, uh, whew, that was a good C&I single.
1: Uh, hey, that's all you needed. That's all I needed.
3: Of Bedlam, I'm just going to head down the road from Norman to Stillwater and think that uh, a certain middle-aged coach might have gotten his team to do this
1: a few times. So Oklahoma State is correct, Uh, and Mike Gundy being associated with the team is correct. But this was back when he was the quarterback, gentlemen.
3: So he did it when he was a a middle-aged kid.
1: Yeah, pretty much. 1988, seven consecutive games.
3: I I tend to remember that team being a little bit more run-heavy.
2: Burris Sunders.
3: Yeah, yeah, they had this running back. Yeah, he
1: was okay.
2: He was good. He was decent. Yeah, he, he, could do okay. he could do. It. He he had a couple of moves. Maybe <laughs> he might have broken a couple of tackles. Here Coach. And there. All right. Um, well, uh, I think the Mark Rick era Bulldogs are way too. They were way too up and down to have done it. Uh, Jim Donnan probably definitely didn't do it, and Ray Goff definitely didn't do it. Ray, right, um, Goof. Um, <laughs> And then Dooley, I think his only chance of doing it would have been in 1980, and he definitely didn't do it then probably. So um, I'm going to go with Florida State.
1: Florida State would be a good guess. Uh, Florida State has done it twice, once in 95 and once in 2013. All right. In 2013, in fact, they did it for 11 consecutive games.
2: I would have guessed the 99 season if, if if you had me do a year.
1: Well, fortunately, I didn't.
3: Well, I'm going to stay in the Sunshine State and just go over to a bang nabbit. My visor got all tangled up, but we run up the score. We had some fun and gun. I'm going to go with uh, Spurrier, He did with Florida. How about that?
1: Florida is correct, but not with Spurrier, with Coach Urban Meyer, 2008, Uh, seven consecutive games.
3: Hey, you know, wrong coach, but the question was about the program, so I'll take it. It could have been Ron Zook. I wouldn't have minded. <laughs>
0: I don't know
1: if Ron Zook scored forty points in his career, the Florida coach. Uh,
3: he took.
2: He did once because they played Georgia four times in his career. <laughs> he
3: took Illinois to a BCS bowl
2: game. Uh, juice the juice is loose. <laughs> coach, you're up. Oh boy! All right. Uh, let's see. Staying in the conference, I will say Old Mississippi.
1: Coach, sorry, sending you back to the Pine. Ole Miss is incorrect. Ooh. All right, Josh, uh, you've already won. Do you have any other quickly off the top of your head?
3: Well, some of those Colt McCoy Texas teams might have been able to do it. Texas um, is
1: correct.
3: Uh, I'm wondering if, uh, thanks to Big Twelve defenses, if uh, the RG3 Baylor teams might have done it.
1: Uh, Baylor, yes, Baylor actually appears on this list three times. Ooh.
3: Um, another team that crossed my mind, um, but I think that they, he probably hasn't been there long enough to do this. Uh, I was thinking about going to the Pirate for a second time with Washington State.
1: Uh, Wazoo, no, uh, they haven't done that quite yet. Uh, uh teams you missed.
3: The, the Wazoo guest, also, uh, the reason I included it on my list was, it's kind of hedging my bets that Mike Price had a pretty good offense also with, uh, quarterbacks out
2: there. So with uh, Drew blood so much, he needed a blood transfusion
3: (laughs) and Mm -hmm.
2: uh, Ryan Lee, Ryan, Ryan leaf.
1: So, uh, all right. The ones you guys missed uh, number two, uh, actually tied with Oregon for uh, 13 consecutive games for the most Texas A&M with Johnny football.
0: Um, uh,
1: Josh mentioned Texas, Florida state was mentioned by coach Uh, Western Kentucky uh, back in 2016. Uh they did it for ten consecutive games. Uh guys, you missed Hawaii, uh June Jones era. Uh they did they had two separate nine game streaks in which they scored forty consecutive points. Oregon's been mentioned. Bowling Green, uh back in two thousand four, in two thousand and five did it for nine consecutive games. Uh BYU in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, uh, I wasn't gonna get that one. Uh Josh, your beloved two lane team of nineteen ninety eight. Nice. Um, Boise State, three separate times. Once in 2002, (laughs) once in 2009, once in 2010.
2: He's a good Boise.
1: Uh, Louisville, back in 2004. Houston in 2011. Marshall in 2014. TCU, 2015. Uh, uh, Louisville, again, in 2005. And finally, Louisiana Tech in 2012. Uh good job. Uh Josh, you get a B plus coach. Uh we're gonna give you a gentleman C on that one.
2: That that was a like you barely passed C. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I think I've gotten three in a row. Uh, I believe which, that's correct. Which
3: I think might be my longest streak. Normally I feel like normally coaches is, is racking up the wins, but
1: all right, well, guys, let's let, let's hit the let's, uh, it's time to hit the deep roots. So, uh, we will start uh, where college game day is going to be this weekend, and that is Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, the Badgers are coming into the big house, but they're going to be down a couple of key defenders on an already suspect defensive unit. So, Josh, is Michigan going to be able to capitalize on this opportunity?
3: I think they will um, because we saw Nebraska put up over 500 yards and have over 20 points. So the points are out there. The Now I'm not saying that Michigan will take advantage of it to such a point that they win the game because Wisconsin still has a pretty good running game, still have a serviceable passing game. Uh It's probably the best offense that, Michigan has faced since Notre Dame, which obviously had Wimbush, so it wasn't even as good a offensive team yet. So it's weird to say this for Wisconsin, but I think that they, in order to win, will have to win it in a shootout, which is bizarre to say for these two teams.
1: Well, yeah, and coach, I think that's going to be particularly difficult for Wisconsin to do, considering that Michigan has the number one rush defense in the country. They're only giving up—sorry, uh, uh, they have the number six rush defense in the country. They're only giving up ninety-six and a half yards per game on the ground.
2: Yeah, it's, it's insane. They're they're extremely uh, they're extremely stingy. Um, they lead all of FBS with three point six nine yards allowed per play, no matter what the play is. And, uh, they're averaging only giving up two hundred and thirty and a half yards per game. So, I mean, they're just, I mean, they're just stingy all around, not just against the run, but, but just all around. I mean, you have chase Winovich and Devin Bush, uh, coming in, uh, get this percentage here. Uh, they're sacking the opposing quarterbacks on a 12.8% of all dropbacks, which is good. That's astounding. Fifth in all of FBS. So, um, it, it, it's it's insane um, how good they're playing, and they, I mean they're just they're just loaded with talent. They just Michigan is a weird team. They're so loaded, but they just underachieve. I guess they I guess it's true. You really do take on the personality of your head coach because Jim Harbaugh is kind of a weird dude, and so Michigan's kind of a weird team in which they they don't always play like you think they're going to play. You know, just when you're down on them, bam! Here they go. They look like they could—they look like they could beat the Cleveland Browns. And then, and then when they go up against Rutgers, it's a tight ball game. So I don't understand it. Uh, this year they—they've they've looked the—the the, the peaks and valleys have been a little bit more even. Uh, I want to talk about Shea Patterson. Um, he's second in the Big Ten in passer rating and completion percentage. He's almost seventy percent. He's third in yards per attempt, eight point six, and he's uh, also third in pass or touchdown passes at ten. Um, his ratio is ten to three with uh, TDs and interceptions. Um, uh, here's here's the thing to watch for in this game. Uh, Michigan might actually on offense they're, they're going to go to the air a lot. Uh, they have if they haven't already uh, so far this year, they're going to go to the air, maybe even more so than usual, uh, because. You guys, uh, Matt, you especially know that uh, there's been some injuries in the Badger secondary, and that's never good. That's never a good thing when you're facing a passing attack as as good as the one led by Shea Patterson
1: in the Michigan. Well, also, Badger starting free safety Scott Nelson is out for the first half of the game after a targeting penalty last week.
2: Yes, absolutely, and and he adds to it as well. So, um, you know, Matt, this is one of those matchups where. You know, on paper, it really is stacked against – it's stacked heavily against Wisconsin, but, you know, being that this is a Big Ten rivalry game, uh, you know, it's a conference game, and these two teams don't like each other. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the – I wouldn't really that.
1: consider it a rivalry game. Just I, – I think Wisconsin's it's, rivals as Minnesota and Iowa.
2: Well, but, yeah, I mean, there, there's games that Jordan – And
1: Nebraska, please, I mean, the, the freedom. Oh, God, don't even get me started on that stupid trophy.
2: Yeah, I mean, just because there's no trophy involved doesn't mean it's not a rivalry. I mean, there's there's not really Georgia South Carolina is not really considered a rivalry, but to some fans it is a rivalry. You know, to some fans it is. You know, I don't I don't
1: think there's. Would, would the those fans game. be exclusively South Carolina fans?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those fan and those Georgia fans that live in live in the eastern part of the state. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't. I, I'm not gonna say it's like an official rivalry, but these two teams don't like each other. So it's going to be heavily competitive and Wisconsin is going to come out um, firing on all cylinders. And anytime you have JTT or Jonathan Taylor touchdown, you know, you're, you're in good shape. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, and Devin Bush, what they do um, against this uh, Wisconsin offense. And what this Wisconsin offense does to kind of combat such a great defensive front how creative can they be in and get, just get yardage, chew up clock, and and really just kind of play field position and special teams if they can, can if they can grind the tempo of the game way down. I think that if this game gets ugly, Wisconsin has the edge. All right, but this game could go. I, I think honestly, this game is going to go one of two ways. It's going to be really ugly and Wisconsin wins, or it's going to be uh, it's going to be just people flying around and if it turns into a speed game michigan's gonna have the upper hand
1: yeah because michigan has the better athletes yeah i'm most interested in seeing the chess match between michigan defensive coordinator don brown and uh wisconsin head coach uh paul christ in terms of how wisconsin tries to attack that very stout michigan defense one of the things that they did against uh against Iowa was they lined up with up to eight offensive linemen at once on the field and just ran it down their throats. And I think that is, you know, might be the best method of attacking this Michigan team considering that obviously Wisconsin's, you know, talent and depth is there at the offensive line position more so than anywhere else. Anyhow, we need to move on, and we are going to hit the road to Death Valley. Uh, on Saturday night, uh, it's going to be a great matchup between the Bayou Bengals and Coach's Dogs. LSU licking their wounds after they lost in the swamp last weekend. and Now, if I'm in, Coach, Coach, if I'm in your seat, I'm actually a little bit more worried about this game now than I would have been if LSU had beaten Florida. Uh, you know, Tigers have their backs against the wall and uh, we, they will have, shall we say, a bit of a vocal crowd there on Saturday night, uh, Coach. How do you feel about? How do you feel going into this one?
2: Well, first of all, it wouldn't matter if LSU was. Oh and six coming into this game. Their crowd's still going to be raucous. So it doesn't matter if there's a home game in Baton Rouge. Their crowd is up for it, especially um,
1: Saturday night.
2: Especially Saturday night. Uh, but this one's uh, the the two thirty Central Time kickoff. So is it? I thought it was a
1: night game for some nah, reason.
2: It's, it's The two thirty CBS game. It's the okay. It's the number one game. Um, but still, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think this. LSU team's going to do something drastically different because they lost last week. Um, I, th- I think they're going to still kind of play at the level they were going to play at regardless. You know, they're not, I don't think they're one of those teams that really ebbs and flows based on winning or, or losing. So um, you now I, I agree it's a must win, um, but they were going to come out swinging anyway, because you know if you're trying to get in the, the college football playoff, every game's a must win. So, um, so I think that kind of goes, goes out the window, but you know honestly if georgia can georgia if they can find a way to keep gelling that offensive line um i really i've really been impressed of how how they've kind of handled and managed this two quarterback system i didn't think it would work but justin fields actually comes in and and gives a pretty good spark to the to the uh georgia offense and yeah he he, he ain't ready to be the full time starter yet cuz I, I just don't think he's mastered the college level uh Passing yet? Uh, I think I think it's still moving too fast for him. But he comes in and he's a nice little change of pace uh, for Georgia, and I think that's good how they're managing him. Um, I've been thoroughly impressed with the run game with DeAndre Swift and Elijah Holyfield, and even Brian Harry getting in the mix uh, defensively. Uh, ironically enough, going to have to figure out a way to stop the run. You know, um, Roquan graduate or Roquan moving on to the NFL can't be the reason you all of a sudden can't stop the run. Um, Monty Rice, Tyler Clark, uh, Julian Rochester, Jonathan Ledbetter, those guys are perfectly capable of stopping the run. Uh, the secondary is going to have to come up with some big plays. DeAndre Baker is going to have to continue doing what he's doing. Uh, J.R. Reed going to have to continue doing what he's doing. And uh, Tyson Campbell, uh, the, uh, the freshman sensation over there uh, at corner, uh, they're going to pick on him a lot. Uh, they've got their hands full with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's proved that he's he can be in that uh, upper tier of SEC quarterbacks. And uh, so it's, it's going to be an extremely competitive game. It's, it's going to be that way anyway. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere because, let's face it, these Cajuns really know how to party, and they're loud. They uh. are loud. And they've been tailgating since yesterday.
1: Oh, I think I was being uh, generous. I thought they were there uh, ever since they got back from the swamp. I thought they just set up shop, you know, right outside of. Uh, they
2: probably, they, they, they probably did. I wouldn't, would not shock me. They, they probably did. Uh, they're probably boiling. They're probably boiling their, their body weight in, in uh, crawfish, but yeah, it's going to, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tremendous game. And uh, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a tight 60 minute physical fest.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Josh, uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
3: Well, I think coaches is being uh, his usual diplomatic self when it comes to a Georgia opponent. I think it's going to be an interesting game for about a half. And then the more talented team, Georgia, the more impressive coaching staff, Georgia's will pull away. And yeah, the, that environment might keep LSU around a little bit and, Maybe Burroughs has a few nice passes to keep LSU involved, but Georgia's the better team. And I there's kind of a feeling I have in the pit of my stomach that I think that this is the game that Kirby says to Jake basically, hey, you got us to the playoffs a year ago. You're playing all 60. I, I think Jake Fromm plays the whole game, wins the big game on the road, and we don't see Joseph Fields at all.
1: Ooh, I like that. That's an interesting call. All right. Well, let's head up to uh, a big one out in the Pac-12. The top two teams in that conference will face off on Saturday afternoon in Eugene, Washington coming in uh, after a surprisingly competitive game with UCLA last weekend, while Oregon just got a week off after beating Cal two weeks ago. Josh, Washington's defense has been excellent so far this season, but they have not faced anyone like Justin Herbert yet. So can we expect to see the Huskies slow down that duck offense?
3: Well, the way they're going to have to slow it down, I think is actually hanging on to the ball. And this is a Washington team that's been very erratic with their offense in terms of they, they look a little bit at times like a teenager learning how to drive stick shift where sometimes they get it into gear and it it looks good, and then other times it's just been downright ugly. Um, But I think Oregon is approaching that Chip Kelly level of fear, where the only way to slow them down is to not let them possess the ball. And if Washington has one of those offensive funk games, I don't think it necessarily matters how good that UW defense is because o- Oregon's going to find a way to score three touchdowns and it now becomes a question. Can Jake Browning, can Miles Gaskin find three touchdowns themselves? Coach.
2: Ooh, um so this is, this is interesting because, because Washington is uh, defensively, they're, they're talented. Um, and, and like, Josh said that was a perfect analogy um with a teenager driving a stick shift I just got the mental image it was priceless but um you know I you know how do you stop an offense that's averaging 503 yards per game uh, and you got a guy like Justin Herbert coming off a, a a bye week and I I mean honestly I just think that uh if Washington struggled with or if they or, or if they uh, i don't know how, i don't know how to say what they what happened with with auburn um in losing that game but um you know i, I think it's going to be tough sledding as far as trying to stop it so i think that washington is going to find themselves in a shootout to you know with oregon it's it's going to kind of be like a race to 50 whoever gets to 51st is going <laughs> to is going to win this game because i don't see either of these defenses stopping each other just because they're so high octane and so tempo, um, and they're just so explosive that you know I think it's going to be a track meet for for the majority of this game, and it's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, I'm interested to see what uniform combination Oregon comes out in. Maybe they go all highlighter yellow. They blind with was, uh, Washington. I almost called them Wisconsin. Um,
1: I think they're going to go so, with the chrome, I think they're going to go with the chrome helmets.
2: Yes, that would be better I don't know. I have no idea actually. Knows? But... Um but yeah, no, I mean this is this is kind of a a weird game to preview, uh just because Washington is just so up and down. They're 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 just tough to predict. Uh they have all this talent, but do they use it effectively? Do do they always play smart? You know, they get find themselves they bust coverages, they they bust stunts, they give up big plays, they sometimes they're careless with the ball. And sometimes they fly around, they hit you, and sometimes they hit they hit big plays as well. So actually know, just, coach,
1: uh, I I actually have some, some information here on what Oregon will be wearing this weekend.
2: Ooh. Yeah. Uh, they are under.
1: going with the all green look. All green they've been they've been like, they've been like bright, green. like lime green.
2: They've been committed to, to the color green this year. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so they so, are okay. they're, going, they're going
2: with the all water. all green, green helmets, mm-hmm. jerseys,
1: pants, yeah, socks,
2: shoes, all of it. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: All right. Yep. I can dig so it. Those yellows, numbers. though, uh, those yellows that you love so much, so they'll be wearing those week thirteen at Oregon State.
2: Ooh, the highlighters.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I can't wait to the honestly speaking, uh, not sarcastically. I can't wait to to see when they're going to bust out the stormtrooper out uh, uniforms.
1: Oh, yeah, those will be fun. Yeah, those are my favorites.
2: Those
0: are my favorite
1: combo. Those are are the three really big games this weekend. Uh, Two other sort of lesser-known matchups that I want to get to quickly. Uh, I want to start in the Big 12 because I think West Virginia has a really sneaky, tough game. Even though they're up to sixth, in the country and the polls so far, West Virginia's had a really soft schedule as fans. We really missed out on what would have been a great matchup between the Mountaineers and North Carolina state, but that was hurricaned out a couple weeks back. So coach, what do the Cyclones need to do in order to pull off the upset at home here?
2: They need to get after Will Greer. They need to, um, you know, just blitz and mix it up, mix up their coverages. They need to, uh, they need to win first and second down. They need to, uh, I saw a stat, I was doing some reading uh, and I saw a stat where if you, uh, if you get a tackle, if you get one tackle for loss, you have an 80% chance of killing that drive. 80% chance for that drive. Good to stat. Yeah. So honestly, uh, I also read, I, I was doing some defensive research cause I'm, I'm trying to be a good, good coach and and just kind of support my, my defensive guys and um you know and it was about Kirby Smart so it was kind of like serving two purposes you know I was just kind of <laughs> interested in learning about kind of what his philosophies are and uh you know also what could what could we do to help our defense at Hillwood so um stunt to be gap it was another concept that I learned And, uh, you know, just mix up your coverages and and try to play games with, with Will Greer. Uh, what they like to do is they, they run a lot of RPO stuff. And so if you can have, if you can have somebody rob, uh, those RPO options, whether it's rob the seams, um, on your slant RPOs or, or get your corners to, uh, to show a certain coverage and then rob the, uh, the fast screens and, and throw safeties over the top deep, um, you know, when you're mixing your coverages up, maybe that's something that they could do to kind of disrupt what West Virginia likes to do. And, and that's, you know, that's going to be uh, without a doubt. And of course, obviously, if you can make them one dimensional, um, as I mentioned earlier, keep them behind the change, cause them to be one dimensional where there's no threat of run. Um, you know, that's, that's another thing, what you can do. And, and uh, you know, Iowa state has proven time in and time again this year that, they can they can get it done. They can play some defense. They can fly around. They can tackle. They yeah. can get guys in space and tackle. And it's it's really kind of been fun to watch Iowa State. I kind of caught myself watching a team that I never thought in a million years that I would watch more than just let's flip to this game on a commercial break. I, I actually kind of actually kind of stuck on their game uh, a little bit last week. So they're yeah. they're a fun team to watch.
1: Yeah, Josh and Iowa State last week also showed some offense. Yeah, they did, and.
3: One of the keys for that game against Oklahoma State, in addition to having a really good passing day with over 325, with over 300 passing yards, was they took advantage of Oklahoma's, Oklahoma State's mistakes. Uh, I know the turnover margin was equal at two, but get those two takeaways, that was nice. Uh, Oklahoma State had nine penalties. And why do I bring this up? Well, West Virginia has been winning, but their last two weeks really sloppy against Texas Tech. They had 12 penalties for 115 yards in that game. And then last week against Kansas, yeah, they got the win, but they had four giveaways. So how do you get upsets? Well, turnovers and penalties and the more talented team shoot themselves in the foot. And so if West Virginia does that, they can, they can find their, themselves on the wrong end of this one. And then I kind of wanted to pose this question to Coach, which is, uh, what are the games on the schedule, Coach, that you look at and you go, okay, our kids are going to be engaged, and weeks that you go, okay, our kids are going to be checked out. Um, what are some of the s- situations for being checked out?
2: Uh, like our homecoming opponent, uh, Glencliff. okay. Um, we know, We knew without a shadow of a doubt it didn't matter what we did. It didn't matter what they did we were going to roll the score up on them um, and we could just name this name, the number we wanted. Um, so we knew they're going to be checked out against that. The two, the two teams that we know on our schedule were surefire wins uh, were the ones we checked out.
3: They're checked out for, for surefire wins. Do you find that the team's checked out a little bit just before a bye week?
2: Uh, No, because this is, uh, we go into a bye week after this game and, We've been pretty in tune, but you know, a sixty-two to nothing beatdown will do that to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're trying to avenge that well, for the last season. Well,
3: because the reason I bring that up is
2: we've had a lot of revenge games, so we've been yeah. we've been dialed in more so than than any well, than any.
3: Uh, well, the reason game. I ask that is because to me this looks like a little bit of a, a double checkout situation where West Virginia sort of feels like this is a team that they're going to blow out. And then they get their buy right after Iowa State.
2: I, I, I'm I'm with you on the bye week thing, but yeah. West Virginia's watched film. Iowa State is not what Iowa State used to be. Uh, and if I'm West Virginia and I've watched film, I figure that out. That wait, we're not going to be able to push these guys around. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it's a I think the only chance of of that would be because of bye weeks next week, and they're just looking forward to a break.
1: All right. Well, I don't think they're taking this one for granted at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, finally and quickly, uh, it's a bit of a down weekend major conference game, so I wanted to include uh, Central Florida versus Memphis on our deep roots because even though we mention the Golden Knights nearly every show, we still don't give them enough love and the love they deserve. They have not missed a beat since bringing in an entirely new coaching staff under Josh Heupel. Uh, Josh, you've got Central Florida way up in your poll. So, do you think that Memphis has any chance of knocking them off on Saturday?
3: Uh, I'm not. I'm not sweating bullets. And just for a frame of reference, how high up do I have them? I have fourth? them four.
1: Yeah, in my
3: latest poll. Uh, h- here's the thing with Memphis: they're they're a well coached team. They're a dangerous team, but they're a little bit like Washington in the flip side it's not their offense that's having fits it's been sometimes of their defense just kind of stuck in mud um they blew out connecticut a week ago but everyone does that but the week before that down at tulane they couldn't do anything against that option attack they lost 40 to 24 earlier in the season against navy struggled with that option attack 22 21 I know Mackenzie Milton throws it around. I know Central Florida has a dangerous passing attack. But Mackenzie Milton is a very mobile quarterback. They love to do some of that RPO stuff. So while it's not the same sense of a triple option throwing you off, Central Florida does use tempo and play calling and have a mobile quarterback to do things where their plays have an element of option where McKinsey Milton gets to decide what is he doing on this play. It's not triple option, but it's a offense that has built-in characteristics of giving you a little bit of that improvisation and letting the players kind of choose how the thing goes. So I, I think if it sets up nicely for Central Florida. Coach? Yeah
2: yeah, uh Norvell to, to to bolster what Josh is saying, uh Nor uh Coach Norvell was was quoted as saying they're probably playing even faster than what they did last year. Uh quote, their tempo is at warp speed, they're snapping the ball anywhere from five to ten seconds after the previous play, which is extraordinary, end quote. So uh that just tells me that you know they you know they wear you down. They wear you out. They won't allow you to substitute. They won't allow you to do anything fancy, anything crazy. You have to kind of be forced to play to play base defense because as soon as you get into something, uh, as soon as you make a call, uh, they're snapping the ball. And you can't look you don't even have time to look over the sideline. You gotta get set and let's let's rock and roll. We just gotta go play base. And that plays right into Central Florida's hands. And it's probably the reason why uh they are sitting at averaging 574 yards per game, which is up from last year's 530. Um, So uh, McKenzie Milton's is just killing it. Uh, Josh Heupel is killing it. And I think this is a much, much more, uh, I think the gap between these two teams is much wider than it was a year ago. Um, uh, Not to say Memphis is not competitive because they'll be competitive. They're just going to, I think that, uh, UCF is on such a roll right now that, you know, Memphis is going to look a lot worse than they actually are. And, and Memphis is a, is a really good uh, program. They're just not, you know, I just not think they're there. outmatched. They're not quite there yet. And I think they're yeah. outmatched in this one uh, because UCF is just so, so efficient, just so good.
1: Absolutely, think. absolutely. Yeah, we're still we're definitely gonna be looking forward to that UCF Cincinnati game later on in the season. All right, guys, time to hit our last segment: spread formations. And for that, we are bringing in a guest picker tonight, uh, in from Durham, North Carolina. It's friend of the show, Jens Herman.
0: Hey, thanks, guys. Jens. I've
2: been
0: waiting for my wheels up, gent, but uh, it never came. So <laughs> uh, my Toyota Camry did just fine.
3: All right, yeah. That's actually a trademark phrase. We now need to pay ESPN some money for saying wheels up. Oh,
1: gosh. Don't get me started on that. All right, guys, for the season, everyone out there knows it's not been the kindest to us. So uh, let's hope that Jens is our good luck charm. Uh, We bring him in because he's here for homecoming at Vandy this weekend. Uh, The Commodore is welcoming in the Gators, who are fresh off that big win over LSU last weekend. Uh, Jens, who do you like here?
0: I don't like anybody in this game football wise, (laughs) but, uh, I'm going to go with Vanderbilt. Uh, do I think they're going to win? No, I've seen enough Vanderbilt football in my lifetime to know that the likelihood of that happening is probably slim, but, uh, yeah, they'll figure out a way to cover this.
1: All right. All right. Josh what's the spread seven Florida
3: that feels pretty insulting to a Florida team that's looks like a team that's got some mojo going with the Dan Mullen pulling trick plays out of the back of the playbook I think Florida pulls away late to win by about 10 to
1: 14 all right coach
2: yeah, I think I think best case scenario is a push. Uh, I, I think it's going to be let down city for about three quarters, uh, where you're thinking, man, Florida better wake up because th- this this is a, this is going to be a typical Florida Vanderbilt game. Florida's going to sleepwalk through the first three three and a half quarters, and they're going to wake up and pummel Vandy, um, and I think it's going to not be much different here. Uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, You're going to sweat it, sweat it, sweat it, and then all of a sudden, boom, they win by 17 to 20.
1: Okay, so I'm taking Vanderbilt for two reasons. First of all. Sorry, Ashley. um, First of all, uh, I am married. You don't want to sleep on the sofa. Yes, exactly. I don't want to sleep on the sofa tonight. And secondly, this is a classic trap game. Coach, who does Florida play next week?
2: They play. Let me pull up their schedule.
1: World's largest outdoor cocktail party, my friend.
3: Oh, that's the Is big it, one against Georgia Tech. It's in two
1: weeks. Is that in two weeks? I could have sworn it was weeks. next week. Well, it's it's their next game after Vanderbilt. They've got to buy. Now,
3: week. now, now, there's no rule that says you can't
1: start drinking two weeks before a game starts. Uh, I mean, so what if you just definitely. never stop? So, yeah. I, yeah, I so think.
2: we play that pesky B-Y-E team.
1: So, yeah, the P-Y-E. Um I think, I think, think a, I think this is a I think this, this is a classic team. letdown spot for Florida. I think v- I think Vandy's going to keep it close, if not win it. We've got um, you know the biggest announcement class of two thousand eight after party is where Jens?
0: Losers Bar and Grill.
1: It's not nah, Losers Bar Grill,
0: or Losers.
1: Yeah, bar? yeah, Losers Bar. I can't make this stuff up, folks. The after party for the football game is at a place called Losers. So. <laughs>
2: I sang karaoke there once <laughs> with the guy who wrote Friends in Little Places.
1: Yeah, and you tried to kick him off the stage while you were yeah. singing that song.
2: I Heismaned him because he looked like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. I do not know who the heck he was. <laughs> <laughs> then he bought me a gin and tonic.
1: That was very nice of him.
2: Yeah. All
1: yeah, right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's stick with some Floridian teams on the road for our next pick. Go to Tulsa, where the Golden Hurricane are hosting South Florida. Bulls giving seven and the hook at Chapman Stadium. Uh, Jens, you got to lean on this one?
0: Uh, honestly, I don't know much about either of these teams, but I know I don't like the bet against weather, um, especially with Hurricane <laughs> Michael hitting the Southeast. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Luke Skipper and the Golden Hurricane.
1: All right. All right. Uh, Josh, that's weird. Neither team's been very
3: good against the spread this year. They're both two and three. And initially you look at South Florida's schedule and you see some games where they didn't really pass an eye test. They only beat Illinois by six, East Carolina by seven. You're kind of wondering what's going on with that team. But Tulsa trending wrong direction after a moral victory against Texas where they only lost by seven. They lose by nine to arkansas state and then these last two weeks 14 at temple and then they got blown out by 15 with houston they're going the wrong direction i think the bulls find their gear and get it done in golden Pan stadium coach
2: um wow okay um i'm gonna go bulls on parade here uh because, hey, this game's not played anywhere near the Southeast. It's at Tulsa. Um, so yeah, but it's still, be... the,
1: the Halts are still the Golden Hurricane, man. I mean, you, you, you... They
2: are the Golden Hurricane. They both will be wearing gold helmets. That's the only similarity. Uh, Bulls on parade here. I think they get seven and the hook.
1: All right. Um, yeah, Josh, you talked about that Tulsa team. Man, they are hot garbage right now. So I'm, I'm – I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. So I will also take South Florida. Next, Air Force travels to San Diego State in a big Mountain West game. Aztecs went up and won on the Smurf turf last week. They get to head home to face a Falcon squad that ran over, around, and through Navy last weekend. Uh, Jens, Aztecs giving 10 at home. What side are you on?
0: I'm taking it up to 11. The Aztecs don't have Joanna, Washington, but they got my
1: man Chase Jasmine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: They're going to win by 11.
1: All right. Jens, on the Aztecs. Josh. Aztecs have been good
3: this year, but not their vintage great. And believe it or not, Air Force is averaging more yards than them. Air Force is averaging way more points than the Aztecs. Your defensive numbers are pretty similar. Uh, You know I love Rocky Long, and I talk up SDSU all the time, but I think the Falcons have found a few things out those last two weeks, giving Nevada fits uh, in a narrow loss and then blowing out Navy. I I think the Falcons hang around. I'm not sure they truly pull off the upset, but I have a hard time seeing them lose by more than 10 points.
2: Coach. Josh? For once, we don't agree. Ooh, I think I think San Diego State. I think they're going to blow them out. Ooh,
1: I like that, Coach. I like that because uh, that's the pick I'm going with as well. Last week, I was a winner when I took uh, Air Force, and you guys both took Navy. But uh, looking at some of the numbers coming into this one, San Diego State uh, as uh, opponents are averaging 1.96 yards per carry against them. That does not bode well for a rushing-based attack. I know they haven't faced anyone that runs quite like Air Force does, but still, anyone giving up less than two yards per carry is doing something right there on uh, on their rushing defense. So... Um, I will take San Diego State in this one, even though I don't feel great about it. Okay. Next, after taking down previously unbeaten Kentucky last weekend, Texas A&M ha- gets to travel to Columbia to take on the Gamecocks. South Carolina, two-point dogs at home in this one. Jens, who are you taking?
0: I think this one's going to be a fun one. You got Jimbo Fisher, Will Champ facing each other. They won a natty together in LSU. Uh, they spent some time at Auburn together. They're good friends. Uh, I found out recently they even used to own a house, a beach house together. Um, so I think AM starts fast and finishes fast. To take this one. And Jimbo's somehow going to become mustchamp's Champ's landlord.
1: <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. All right, Josh, what do you th- what do you think?
3: Uh, I tend to pick against mustchamp Champ any opportunity I'm given. And normally that works out well, and so I will again this week, especially when you look at the rush defenses and the rush offenses. Uh, South Carolina, they need their rushing yards because they don't pass it all that much. So their rushing yards are, are critical for them to be balanced. A&M has an amazing rush defense. And on the flip side, we think of must champ and defense and all that. South Carolina's given up. 194 rush yards per game. AM is running the ball pretty well, over 220 yards per game for the Aggies. I think that AM runs all over the field in Columbia. Coach.
2: Well done, Josh. Well done. Uh, my prediction is uh, the same as Apollo Creed when asked about what his prediction was for Rocky, and he said, Pain. it's going to be a blowout I think Kellen Mond, Travion Williams uh, that they're just they're going to be too much uh, I don't trust Muschamp in a big game scenario unless he has a unless he has the uh, gully washer once in a lifetime uh, Noah's Ark rainstorm behind him uh, I'm not sure he can win this game
1: all right. Yeah, I I originally was thinking about taking South Carolina. It looks like Jake Bentley's going to start this weekend at quarterback, but I don't know. It, it, it really doesn't matter because
2: playing defense.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, as much as I hate doing it, doing the Aggies. All right. <laughs> Uh Steven Montez, LaVisca Chennault, and the rest of Colorado's high flying offense gets to take a trip to Southern California this weekend. They're gonna pay a visit to the Coliseum. USC coming off of a bye week, which was desperately needed for this squad. They have not looked terribly impressive so far this year. Still, Trojans touched on favorite at home. Jens, you got a lean here?
2: Oh yeah. Uh, He's got a gangster lean. I'm a
0: – exactly. I'm a Steven Montez fan. Yeah. Um, he's from El Paso, Texas. You know, there's not much to do out there besides throw footballs. Um, plus, Montez won the presidency in veep um, and I'm picking them to cover. Uh, in fact, give me Montez and the Boston to win
1: outright. Ooh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Take that to the bank. If you're going to go, go money line on Colorado, make yourself some real bucks. All right, uh, Josh.
3: See, here's what's concerning about the Buffaloes is their opponent's win-loss record is five and seventeen, so they haven't played a soul. Um, but then this begs the question: Does USC qualify as a team with a soul because they are three and two? They've won the last two weeks by three points and four points against an OK Washington State team and a pretty underachieving, lifeless Arizona outfit. So they're not terribly impressive themselves. And then when you dig deeper in the numbers, the Buffs averaging a 100 more yards, then USC, what's up with this T. Martin offense, this Clay Helton offense? Trojans can't move the ball really at all. And then you mentioned Steven Montez. That's a great pick by our guest picker because USC is allowing well over 200 yards passing per game. I think he goes off. I think he picks them apart. And here, what here's something that even makes me feel better. USC 1-4 against the spread this year. Colorado 4-1. I'll take the
1: buff. Ooh, I like that. Coach?
2: Yeah, USC's burnt me several times. I've given them way too much credit. And for that reason alone, I'm picking Colorado. But um, also, I think Colorado is – Honestly, just a better team right now. And Montez is one of the main reasons. And I think they're going to, I think he's going to sling it around a yard.
1: All right. Yeah. I, I don't think pick, that, a, a, as great as USC has been recruiting defensive backs, I still don't think they have anyone who can uh, really, you know, defend LaVisca Chanel one on one. He's proven to be one of the best receivers in the country. And I think that's going to show up again this week. So I'm also taking the buffs. That is a clean sweep there, gentlemen. All right, finally, Kansas is on bye. So uh Rock Chalk, uh rest in peace at least for the week.
2: Wait, so, does Kansas so so what's the what's the spread on BYE?
1: Uh it's uh BYE is a fourteen and a half point uh favorite on the road at Kansas.
2: Ooh, that's an interesting pick. Yeah, but uh I'm gonna go with the Jayhawks though. <laughs>
1: Um, so, but those Jayhawks, yeah, they they have to play BYE this weekend. So we need to at least have the spirit of the Jayhawks alive. So we're going to welcome back Rutgers to the picks party. Scarlet Knights on the road this weekend, they find themselves 25 and a half point dogs at Maryland. Jens, you probably don't, but do you have any strong feelings about this one?
0: Uh, not really. I mean, I, I know... Rutgers lost by 41. You mentioned Kansas. I think they lost by 41 to Kansas, so that's not great. Um, but Max Rosenbooser or whatever his name, Borgenschlager.
2: Borgenschlager.
0: Yeah, he's gone, right?
2: Rosenbagger. Ro-
0: Rosenbooser, <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've got him out for the year. Um, tickets are actually going for as low as three dollars on the secondary market, Ooh. so um, I'm going to say for some reason that's a bargain to see Rutgers cover. So okay,
1: okay, Josh.
3: So Rutgers has a real issue; they cannot score the ball to save them lo- their lives. They average just over sixteen points per game, so that. When you see a spread that big, one thing you're worried about is, ooh, what if, what if the team falls into a couple touchdowns? That doesn't happen with Rutgers. In terms of the 25 points, well, they lost by way more than that to Kansas. They lost by way more than that to Buffalo. They lost by 21 to Illinois. This team is dreadful, and the icing on the cake for me is the last time Maryland lost was to Temple. The very next week, they blew out the Gophers. Th- this game's going to be a route. Rutgers is not going to even sniff that point spread. I, I I think Maryland wins by about 35 points, if not more.
1: All right, coach.
2: Um, the only reason Rutgers might sniff the point spread is because the first quarter hasn't ended yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Maryland, Maryland's going Maryland's gonna to have it by halftime. And then, they're going to put the icing on the cake in the second half. I think Maryland's going to double that spread.
1: Okay, okay. Wow, you've got Maryland winning then by by more than fifty.
2: Uh, there's a little little hyperbole there, but they're, not, <laughs> they're going to they're going to just about double it
3: up. Vegas should do that. They should double the payouts if you play the double spread.
1: That would be that would be fascinating. It's
0: a whole other line of betting. Right
1: yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. You're combining a money line with with the spread. I like that. You you would get a lot of action on Rutgers and Kansas. You would, you would. (laughs) But would you get? But then, but I guess you'd only get like a. I don't. You could. It would only be to like, uh, for the team like that is the favor in that one because like you can't you can't double the spread and say Rutgers is going to cover a 51 point spread. Like that's just like. They're just going to there at that point. So
3: Yeah. Well, that's what makes it a prop bet.
1: Okay. I like that. I like that. You know, I, I spent this past weekend with my dad. It was his 70th birthday. Happy birthday, dad. He's a Rutgers alum. <sighs> trying times. Trying times down there, and, and he's Piscataway. And he's given up on Rutgers football, which means I have carte blanche to give up on Rutgers football and just pick against them no matter what. Twenty six points feels like an awful lot, but my goodness, they are genuinely, genuinely horrendous. So, as much as it pains me to do so, uh, fear the turtle. All right,
3: turtle. The nice,
1: turtle. All right. Well, uh, Josh, uh, any final words for me tonight?
3: Yeah, we. We did it again! I cannot believe this, but we buried the lead. We skipped over one of the best SEC games that I've seen in quite a while. Ole Miss heads to Fayetteville, and these two teams are practically the same. Arkansas? Not oh, who they're playing. Yeah, Arkansas putting up twenty-five points per game. Ole Miss is almost right there at forty-two. The total yards, Arkansas, pretty good, three hundred fifty-eight. Ole Miss, just a tad more, hair more, 540. Uh, passing yards, that kind of similar, 350 to, uh, to 211. Um, but actually, in all seriousness, Ole Miss defense is dog poop. So Arkansas, we like to, to clown them in this segment, but this is a more manageable game for them because whenever a team gives up over 500 yards of offense like Ole Miss does each week, you stand at least a puncher's chance so get it done Arkansas turn our usual joke segment into a celebration segment this Monday night when we do our recap show
2: Arkansas you win will lay off for at least a week
3: no I won't
1: all right well I think that's gonna do it then for us here tonight so on behalf of Our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Music City. And our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and counting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City. And our special guest picker, sitting right next to me in Nashville, Jens Herman. This is The Professor, saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.